Child and Teen Mental Health Insights with Dr. Kayla Nelson. Dive into child and teen mental health with Dr. Kayla Nelson, a leading clinical psychologist. She discusses common issues in therapy, parenting mistakes, raising confident kids, brain responses to negativity and stress, and the impact of perfect parenting pressure on parents' mental health. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Let me tell you a little bit about the guests that we have today. Dr. Kayla Nelson, a New York licensed clinical psychologist, founded Glacier Psychology Services, specializing in treating children, teens, and families. She recently established Decide Mental Health, a nonprofit to improve youth mental health awareness. Dr. Nelson also authors the upcoming children's book, A Case of the Bubble Gumps. Her work embodies her commitment to believing that all children are inherently good and deserve patience. I'm so pleased to help welcome to the stage Dr. Kayla Nelson. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to jump into this conversation and what an important conversation it will be. So let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Let's get to know you. Yeah, so I'm a, a clinical psychologist out in New York, and I opened my practice around the same time that the pandemic hit us. And um, I've been working in mental health for about 10 years and I'm particularly really passionate about child and adolescent mental health, which has really just come out of my early experiences in the career, working with so many teens um, in the beginning who were just really struggling with their own sense of self 
worth and uh, drive to live. And then it really struck me um, during the pandemic, I was working with a lot of children and, and was seeing a lot of just really young kids, as young as four, five years old, talking about not wanting to live and talking about not loving themselves. And it was just really um, eye-opening to me that we really need to be getting more information out to kids and parents and teachers. Yeah. Well, that would definitely be something to become very passionate about. And I agree with you. We certainly have seen this uptick in negative thought and feeling when it comes to um, all of us as human beings in general, when we've gone through such a huge shakeup. And so this really inspired you to, to start doing deeper research and working with them and seeing how you can really show up in the world with that. Now, I'm curious, Dr. Kayla, what brought you to to really have a passion for for youth to begin with from the get-go? Yeah, you know, it kind of landed in my lap, if I'm going to be honest. I've always wanted to be a medical doctor uh, since a young age. And then when I went off to college, I started doing more psychology classes for fun. And one of my professors got me a job working at a residential facility for teens. And I just absolutely loved it. I just felt so connected to the clients that I was working with. And from there, I knew that this was the area I wanted to get into. And I grew up in a family with a lot of uh, cousins and lots of kids all the time. So I'm also just kind of naturally good at connecting with kids and connecting with teens. And so it really all just fell together that this is what I really feel like I was born to do. I think that that happens just so in our lives, right? When we have this upbringing that really builds us up to be of service in the world in that capacity and whatever it was that we our environment was, right, that we became familiar with. And so we can show up in a really great way. I think that's incredible. So I'm very curious about the glacier and why, how that came about, because I see this really beautiful glacier picture in the background too. And uh, per our discussion prior to the show, you talked about it being from a, a Colorado artist, which is very cool because you and I both share that commonality where we stem and our roots are based in those beautiful mountain regions of Colorado. Yeah. Yep. Colorado will always be home for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, everybody has the why the glacier question. And again, it was kind of something that just fell into my lap, but I was just wanting to do something different for my name. I didn't want it to just be my name for the practice or, you know, finding hope or, you know, just, I wanted something more uh, unique and the glacier really, the image of the glacier really represents for me that so much of our lives um, that we put out there in the world are really surface level and in therapy and to really see that growth, we have to go deeper. We have to go beneath the surface. And there's so much about our kids, about our teens, about our parents 
that we probably don't know and we we don't really know how to get there. And that's really what therapy is about is just how to mm-hmm. let all of these other parts of ourselves be seen and heard and respected um, and mm-hmm. have to see our kids fully. Now, Dr. Kayla, there I know there's a lot of comparisons and a lot of um, percentage values with that representation of the glacier. And when you talk about the going deeper and the subconscious or the unconscious mind versus the conscious mind or or so forth, what do you liken it to? And what remind me what those percentages are if you know them? Yeah, I mean, you know, so much of our daily lives, we're we're really just kind of um we think we're we're really connected and we think that we're all of the decisions that we're making are fully thought out and very conscious. And a lot of times we're really being motivated by deeper elements. And this can be as simple as I didn't get a good night's sleep and that's impacting how I'm showing up in the world today. And we're we're not fully recognizing that or giving space to that. Or it can be some of these more deeper concepts of, um, wow, I'm really being triggered in this moment by my child's behavior. And this might have something that actually maybe it has little to do with my child right now and has a lot more to do with the deeper wounds that I'm carrying from my own childhood or how my parents responded to me. Um, and, and as far as like the, the, total amount of that happening. It really kind of varies for every person. Um, but so much of our daily life, we're, we're not fully connected to those deeper parts of ourselves. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, parents showing up because in, in a certain way, way, because of their deeper childhood traumas, et cetera, mm-hmm. do you, do you find that coming up in therapy as well. And the reason I asked that, Dr. Kayla, is because uh, I have recently had the pleasure of interviewing another psychologist also in New York. Maybe I should connect the two of you. And she (laughs) mentioned that that she she wrote this beautiful book called Fulfilled. And Mm -hmm. it's Anna, Dr. Anna Usum. I'm not sure if you've heard of her, but I I just adore her and her work. And she talks about how in she's noticed over therapy that all of the things um, that come up in her patients, she she needs to grow and expand enough in order to help them first off. And the things that come up for them are oftentimes reflections of things that are happening in her own personal life. Would you agree with that as a therapist? What has that been like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think another thing that... Um, we have to to give recognition to is that we are all human and we have a lot of common experiences and um, we all have wounds. We're all carrying wounds with us. We've all been impacted by our childhood, by our previous relationships. And if we don't start to, to look at some of that and take record of how we've been hurt, but also it's not necessarily always a bad thing. It's it's how we've been strengthened, how we've yes. 
um, how we've learned different values about ourselves and where that comes from, and then have those really honest conversations around how that's showing up in the therapy room between, you know, I, I see it all the time, how it's showing up between me and my clients, um, or how it's showing up in your marriage and your relationships. You know, what is it about that teacher that you really don't like? And maybe it's something deeper than just mm. the teacher's not nice, right? Like you, we really have to dive into like, what is that, that person bringing out in you and where's that coming from? Yeah. Dr. Kayla, that being said, what, what are some of the things that you're seeing the the common things you're starting to see when it comes to children and teen therapy during the sessions? Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing a lot of, uh, really just high rates of anxiety, depression and low self-worth. And mm. again, I'm really trying to work with, um, helping teens and helping kids figure out like where where is that self-worth stemming from that lack of self-worth where are these messages that they're getting um and it, they're really all over the place sometimes you know one of the issues that i am addressing a lot is what we're seeing online and how much time kids are spending online um, but it can also just be subtle messages that kids are getting from friends or family members um, that oftentimes are actually well-meaning too. So that's the other piece to really help clients figure out is that maybe it's not always that your parents or your friends or loved ones are meaning to say these harmful things. They might even be meaning to say helpful things. Um, so for example, when I, I do a lot, see a lot with teen girls is um, a lot of concern about body image and weight. And there's a, a lot of times parents are maybe reflecting um, that we want to make healthy choices with our eating, which is a great message to be sending to your kids occasionally, right? but maybe not all the time. And, and what is that? Uh, how is that being interpreted by the adolescent? Oh, that, I mean, let's, I would love to know a, like an example of that. Yeah. I mean, uh, it can be as, as simple as making a comment when you, we just had Halloween pass, right? So making too many comments about yeah sugar is bad for you. Candy is bad for you. Or it's um, too much of a negative being yes. brought into the conversation, yes. not allowing grace or uh, not grace. That's not the right word, but uh, just allowing some room for it, it's okay. If you do, you, you know, you're not going to be this horrible person if you choose to do this, right? It's just allowing right. yourself some room in that. That makes yep. sense. Yeah, and more so just setting, just because now we, we brought up the candy example, setting boundaries around access to the candy, right? Recognizing that mm -hmm. candy's available, kids are usually going to make the wrong choice and they're going to choose the candy. Sure. So instead of shaming them for that, as the parent, just be really good at limiting the access and making it, yeah. every, you know, everybody gets to pick two pieces of candy, their Halloween candy after dinner, but then that's the only access they get. And then, 
we kind of eliminate that that shame around it. It's okay to have it on occasion, mm-hmm. and we're gonna. Yeah, that makes sense. If it's not around, it's not thought about, right? You don't see it. You don't think about it and desire it as nearly as much. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. When you initially said that, I was like, well, I've got to have an example because (laughs) what circumstances are there where you're not teaching your kids to eat healthy? But you're absolutely right, Dr. Kayla. It's in the way that you communicate that, the way that you engage that and, you know, to where it doesn't become more, uh, of a of shy away or, or in the worst case scenario, a start to become a trauma that a child, a child, um, encompasses where, because of those, uh, times with their parents or the people around them that are either shaming them or just simply doing it all in the wrong way, where it's too much negative and not enough, uh, compassion there surrounding it. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing with parents that I I have so much empathy for is that most of the time it's coming out of a place of love and and fear. Right. We're we're fearful Mm -hmm. of our children having to face life's challenges. Right. So we'll say things like, you know, you you don't want to get fat. And sure, that might be the fear. We don't want our children to face the challenges of being overweight or being bullied or getting diabetes, right? But we just have to be more careful about how we're saying it. Or, you know, I'll hear parents say things like, um, you know, nobody's going to like you if you act that way. You're being... Yeah. And, but again, it's, it's out of this fear of, we want our children to be well-liked. We want them to have friends. We want them to have all of life's wonderful things. And so it's not coming oftentimes, it's really not coming out of this place of trying to be hurtful towards their children. It's just, they, they need to pause and think about, okay, what's my fear and what's a better way for me to get my child to, um, behave in the way that I, I that I think would be best for them without. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Making those those fear threats. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my goodness. So, Dr. Kayla, I, I certainly, as a parent of three daughters, have my faults. I, I always... N- knew that I was a little harder on my kids because like I, my mom, I think used to call me the the militaristic parent. <laughs> Although I do uh, come from a law enforcement background. So there's part of that, but 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It is so much in love. And it's because we want our children to to be the best versions of themselves when they enter into adulthood. You want to, you know, give them all of the tools and all of the things. And it's also learning how to communicate that. So it sounds to me very much that you, you help guide people and parents and, and youth as well into how to communicate those things to ourselves and the things that we tell ourselves internally and also the things that we're verbally communicating externally, even in our body language, all of those things really matter and take a play and uh, start to fall into that emotional. um, I said it before the show, now all of a sudden I forgot, but just being wise as far as those things go, but it takes time. It takes learning. Some of the things that the way that I raised my kids when they were little Although I was a very young parent, so there's that too. There was so much that I needed to learn. But, you know, I reflect back and I'm like, well, you know, gosh, I wish I would have done it this way. And, you know, I could have, I could have done things differently. And at the same time, you know, allowing myself as a parent and for those parents listening, just because you have done something one way doesn't mean that you can't change something now and start you know, learning and growing and doing things differently and being the example. I think that so much of parenthood is really being the example. Yeah. You know, you're bringing up two really great points around, um, I think so much of how therapy, how therapy can be helpful and so much of what we're lacking in terms of mental Mm -hmm. health education is how to communicate effectively. Uh, how to communicate with your children, with your loved ones. Uh, You know, I tell clients all the time, the goal is not to learn how to not to fight. The goal is to learn how to fight effectively. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If we're in relationship with people at at any capacity, we're going to have conflict sometimes. We're going to have disagreements sometimes, and that's okay. It's learning, you know, how do we communicate our needs effectively? How do we communicate when we're feeling hurt or wronged by somebody in a way that's not attacking, um, that's not too defensive? So there's a lot of skill around communication. I mean, I went to college for nine years to learn how to communicate effectively. So, well, that said nine years, right? This is something that it, it takes a while. It takes a while. And that's why I said, you know, have, have a little compassion with yourself because this is stuff that takes years to really learn and understand because, Dr. Kayla, we we know that this is not being taught into the school system. And that's why you are doing what you do today, because you you see the value, you see the need that this this needs to be taught and there needs to be guidance in it because we don't just know. Yeah, absolutely. We we really don't. And that's that's really uh kind of the mission of my nonprofit is getting this education and resource to to teachers, to schools, students, parents, because it they just there really are kind of some very simple concepts that we could be teaching and we're not, or we're at least not on a regular consistent basis. 
Um, and so we really need to improve that avenue of, of mental health support. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're yeah. going to go into our commercial. And when we get back, Dr. Kayla, I am excited to jump into that because I, I want to know exactly what the nonprofit is, what you're providing and what your dreams and goals, what's, what's your vision for it. So I'm excited to learn more about that as awesome. we come back. Stay tuned. I want to let you know about my next group program, Health Kickstart and Detox. The best way to start diving into your health is to start looking at nutrition, the right way to eat for your body and understanding that as well as digestion because you are what you absorb and not just what you eat. So I teach how to ensure your digestive system is even turned on so that you can benefit from the food that you're putting into your body. So I combine all of this learning in a group program for support for you, along with setting you up for success. So click the show notes to learn more about the program. The link is there. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay. Now, Dr. Kayla, as that commercial was playing, I was reviewing notes and you know what? I got really inspired by something that you had at, on the, the paperwork that with the intake form for coming on the show and you talked about, and we mentioned it even in the beginning of the show in the description of it, but you talk about the pressure of being a perfect parent. And now I'm getting all excited about it because all of us as parents have this desire, I feel, to, to have this perfection. And a lot of conversations even revolve around how we feel we need to produce this perfect child. And so there's this, this air of perfection that when strived for actually causes an immense amount of damage to us mentally and physically and spiritually as well. So I would love to dive into that conversation first. Yeah. Yeah. This is huge. So parents are so hard on themselves. And that, I mean, it's one of the first things that I really just try to hone in on with parents is that they're doing fine. They're usually doing fine. Right. And what we really see is children behaving and doing well in a lot, every other setting, right? They're doing well at school. They have friends. They are on the soccer team. They're doing all this stuff. And they're really kind of letting it all go. They're unleashing at home. And so for the parents, it feels like, oh my gosh, my kids are out of control. And so mm. really first just taking inventory of like, okay, well, how much are your kids really out of control? Yeah. And, and how much are they actually holding it together all day? Well, that uh, makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I never really considered that. And so I'm so glad that you bring that up because it makes so much sense if you think about how we perform in the workplace, right? How I'm performing right now because we're we're in an interview, we're having a discussion, and but what does it really look like behind the scenes, right? When we go home, we're in our comfort zone, we're around family that we're familiar with, where we really, if we have emotions that come up from something that somebody said or the boss or the teacher or the whoever, whatever, or the traffic, right? There's all sorts of things that are constantly happening in our space and in our environment that when they start coming up to the surface a little bit, 
we we feel so comfortable around the people that we're surrounding ourselves with on a regular basis being uh, immediate family, right? And then we we can tend to show not the greatest self, right? And so that makes sense then when you're holding it together because you're 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 showing that different face because we all wear different masks, right? In different situations, that's totally normal, natural, and. I would I would love to know if you agree or disagree with that. That's my thought. And then we just kind of let it loose when we're around the people that we're familiar with. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, this is true for everybody, right? We all have yeah. our best versions of ourselves and our not as good and our worst. And they come out at different points. And so if you think about now we're talking about children who have less emotion, emotion regulation skills. They, um, you know, many of the children I work with, they also have really bad anxiety or they have ADHD or they have some kind of learning mm -hmm. disability that's making it really difficult to pay attention in math class. So when you're thinking about all of these elements, it's a lot for our children to hold themselves together all day. And yeah. so kind of no wonder that at some point it you know the train goes off the rails if they fall down a little bit well they feel safe to do so and at that very you know vital point in our lives where you know especially when they're going into uh, young adulthood right they're they're still stuck they've got one foot in childhood where yeah. there's still the creativity and the play and then the other foot is stepping into up into adulthood where it's this totally different world and there's all these new responsibilities and yeah. it, it can be very heavy and it feels like the world is just weighing on your shoulders and of course us as adults know very very much what that feels like and you know i think that adults can oftentimes forget that that's the space and place that they're at and it's difficult so when they come home, they're starting to feel safe and they just want to fall back into that child state yeah. of being where, yeah, they're acting out because that's oftentimes what children do because they don't know how to express their emotions in a healthy manner. Yeah. Yeah. And so really, we just have to give them that space to have their meltdown, to have like have their release at the end of the day. And then, you know, I think a lot of times too, we we should maybe revert back to like, oh, well, how did I used to soothe my my daughter when she was younger? Right. And it might be simple things. Let's put some music on and let's let's play a board game. Let's watch our favorite silly TV show together. Let's find those, like, let's go back to the basics of how do we soothe our younger children. And a lot of times we can actually do a lot of the same stuff with our teenagers as well. Yeah, Dr. Kayla, I mean, those are those are great things. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that are good, healthy things to really be able to do that and to distract and to unwind for for kids in that age group? And, and you know, that's a great idea, an example of what, what are some of the things that work during childhood? Because, you know, we all know we're all so different human beings. And that's the beauty of, of being here is that we all created so, uh, this so much the same and also 
such different characteristics and wants and needs and desires, right? And that makes it a very colorful world. But because of that, in you know, we we often are are drawn to things in very early childhood and what are those things that come for us? You know, whether it's curling up with a blanket and watching a show or being read to or, and, you know, maybe when they're at that strange age in the the teen years, they might not want to go there, but maybe we could think of some other things where it kind of brings you into that environment and just allows that, that sensation. It might even be something as, uh, easy as food, a snack, you know, food that is like a comfort thing. And it really, I think is one of those pieces that truly connects us as human beings when we um, eat together. Yeah. 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 You know, parenting takes a lot of hard work. And so it does require you kind of figuring out what can I connect with my kiddo on? What are their interests? What Um, Can we do, can we go for a walk? Can we go grab something to eat together? And you really have to put in that effort. And then, you know, I think, again, the big piece to really be very aware of is how often you are allowing screen time to be the, the calming thing, right? The the end of the day relaxing thing that your kiddo does. And I, I think it's okay. Occasionally, I think it's fine to sit down and watch a TV show together as a family. I think, you know, sometimes them being on their phones is okay. But we really, really need to limit that being the sole, okay, it's the end of the day, you can go ahead and go play on your computer or on your phone for a few hours. Because um, it is not regulating. And it's really making everything later in the day a lot more challenging. Homework time, chores, shower, all those things. Mm, Yeah, you're correct. And, you know, so many, uh, there's been so many studies that have shown us that it is, it's not a good idea to have that engagement on screen, you know, so many hours prior to winding down. And it's very difficult for the body and mind to wind down when we're doing that. So yes, it's definitely something that has to be, again, taught, communicated, learn, and setting up those boundaries as a parent. Now, Dr. Kayla, you talk a little bit about what happens to the brain when we're we're having either positive or negative experiences mm-hmm. from the external world. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So our brains, there's a, there's a couple of things we really want to think about. And the first is just acknowledging that our brains tend to pay more attention to negative things. And that's really just a safety and survival mechanism that we want. We want that working in our brains, right? If, if there's any kind of danger, we want to notice those small nuances and so that we can keep ourselves safe. And so our brains are just predisposition that way to notice the negative. Um, so that means we have to really make an active effort to pay more attention to the positive things in our lives, um, the, the day-to-day good that's happening, the things that make us feel safe and secure and loved, we need to actively pay attention to those things. So that can be paying attention to 
mom got up and made me waffles this morning and I love waffles and I need to pay attention to the fact that she did that um, because so much of that just kind of goes unseen. Um, so that's really the first step. And then the next step is just recognizing that when we are paying attention to the negative stuff and the emotionally charged stuff, what's happening in our brain is all of these chemicals are being released. And again, it's really out of this survival mechanism. What happens is our frontal lobes of our brains, which is our thinking center, that's the part of the brain that says, you know, don't slam the door. That's just going to make mom even more mad. Um, it kind of mm. goes to sleep a little bit. So that's why we're doing things that we, we know we maybe shouldn't be doing. That's why we're saying things as parents, right? When we're really worked up, we say things in the moment and later we're like, oh, and I really wish I didn't say that too. Yeah. Ah, words yeah. are like toothpaste. Once it comes out, it doesn't go back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, part of the big skill is just learning, recognizing, oh, I'm, I'm activated. I'm emotionally activated. So my frontal lobe's not working that well. So I'm going to zip my lips. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a great way to put it. And I really love that you brought up that, you know, we think negatively so often, more often than we do positively. That's a natural response. I love when you bring that up because when we have a greater understanding of why we do th the things that we do and that it's totally normal and totally natural. And because we're aware of that, now we can start to, to change and we don't feel like there's something innately wrong with us. And so because we think more often to the negative, it's really because of that, that safety function that we were truly designed. And if you think about us on a, a biological aspect, you know, generation after generation, we were designed to have to be very keen and aware of the negatives around us. So, so we could respond in a way that, that would be in our benefit. Yeah. And, and we want that to continue to keep working. Right. I mean, that's the other thing I talk with parents a lot about is we want our kids to recognize when, you know, maybe somebody's yelling at them or when somebody's being disrespectful. We want them to feel like they can assert themselves because they need to be able to do that outside of the home um, if they are ever being disrespected in a relationship. And, and so it's, you know, we really, we don't want to um, shame that part of ourselves or of you our children. You don't want to shut it down. Right. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. We just need to bring more awareness around like, okay, yeah. so yes, mom yelled at you yesterday and mom shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry for that. But mom is not always yelling at you. Right. So right. that is, that is not the, the right way to talk about it. You can say, mom, when you yelled at me yesterday about my room, right? So we're really helping them break it down and, and parents to do the same, right? Your kids are not always doing the things that annoy you, but they are mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah. gosh, Dr. Kayla, you're so full of wisdom. So tell me, what do you, what do you normally tell uh, both both parents and children, some of the things that they can do once they recognize this, what are, what are some of the ways that they can respond? 
Yeah. The biggest thing is take a break, right? I teach my families mm. all the time. You have yeah. to be able to call for a timeout. We need timeouts. Yeah. When we when we are getting activated, it's a, it's a fine line between still being in control and then moving into that emotional space where, again, our, our frontal lobes aren't working as effectively. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of losing some control over our behaviors. And the, the best way to combat that is just take a break. Say, you know what? I'm getting upset yeah. right now. Can we talk in like 15 minutes? Oh my gosh, that's so, so important. And it's it's difficult to do if you're not familiar with doing it. And sometimes yes. it can feel like an avoidance. And yes. sometimes it can feel like, uh, you know, that you're not being heard because somebody is walking away. But, but if you turn that script around and really, really flip it around and understand that just think of the healing that can take place when we have time alone to sit because our feelings are so heated up and in the moment, right? And that's why we have crimes of passion because it, it is where we acting so quickly in that emotion and in those feelings that you do irrational things. Yeah. And so if you could just bring yourself to a moment of, of calm and bring your body back to a, a better state and you can lower that heart rate, then you're starting to think just a little more clearly. And maybe it's mm -hmm. not so much that you need to be responding that way. And it's not that big of a deal, right? And just allowing that space uh, for others is really healthy. And so I feel like, and tell me if if you uh, agree or what your thoughts are on this, but you, you picture a family and an argument and the teenagers, right? And the parents, and they're having an argument in the kitchen or, or the living room, right? It's always in those family spaces, you know, because that's where everybody goes together. And then the teenager screams and then they're stomping up the stairs and they're slamming the bedroom door. But what are they actually doing? They're doing exactly what we're talking about, right? They're creating space naturally yep. because internally they know that that's what they need. Yep. Yep. And if parents can just stay regulated themselves in that moment and then go talk to them later or wait for your kiddo to come back down because they usually do, you're going to have a much different conversation. Mm, yeah. I think that that's incredible. Thank you so much, Dr. Kayla, for bringing that up. I think those are really great tips for yeah. all of the parents listening in today. And uh, me being one, you know, always, it, it, again, like I say, when I talk about these examples, it's because I've likely lived them and awesome. I'm, I'm bringing them back up into the world because I understand and can relate to. So parenting is very, very difficult and, and we do care so much. I think Dr. Kayla, one of the most difficult lessons that I have ever learned for being a parent was to, to really let go and allow, because we, we do want to control the situation because we want to protect them because we care and we mm -hmm. don't want them to experience all the horrible things in life. And that's life, right? Yes. And yes. we're, 
we are all on our own journeys. And when you live by example and you give them the tools that they need, you have to trust that they're going to use them. And if yeah. they don't, then they have to learn that lesson themselves because they're on their own soul's journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, another big mistake I, I see parents make is rushing into problem solving too quickly, right? Um, yeah. Just not allowing space for your kiddos to complain. They have things to complain about. Their lives are hard. They're not perfect. And it's okay if they just want to talk about the fact that they really do not like their math teacher or that they're really annoyed that they have to wake up early for orchestra or whatever is going on for them. It's real. And, and they just need the space to complain about it for you to validate. Yep. That's really frustrating. What do you think you should do about it? But parents do not always have to solve their kids' problems and um, divert them away from the negativity, right? So that's kind of that balance there is like, you know, we don't want to just be teaching our kids that they can't ever pay attention to the negative. We want them yeah. to sometimes. It's okay sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's so healthy as a parent being able to like tell your child that, that it's okay to be feeling and thinking the way that you are. And, yeah. and now that you do, let's, how else can we think? And, or because of that feeling now what, right? And so very serious conversation now. I'm very curious about your thoughts on this. This is what you do for work. This is what you're very passionate about. Now, when it comes to the very serious life-threatening comments that are made, the thoughts, the feelings that are uh, expressed from adolescence when it comes to uh, feelings of uh, self-hate and not feeling loved, feeling alone, all of, all of those really low negative vibrations that they're experiencing, when that comes up to the surface and now an adult or a parent is aware of that, what is the best way to respond? I mean, when when you think about kids in middle school, high school, they're going through those very, very difficult times, the peer pressure, feeling like they have to be perfect and show up in a certain way. And the body image is huge, huge, huge. And so when they get to that point and all of a sudden you're starting to see some red flags as a parent, how do we respond? Yeah. It's really finding a difficult balance between taking it seriously and not panicking, mm. right? Yeah. Our kids are allowed to have these really intense feelings. And, and when we just go in and either panic or try to tell them that they shouldn't be feeling a certain way or they have no reason to feel this way or, well, who cares what so-and-so thinks about you, we're really just invalidating their experience. We're not giving them space to acknowledge that like, okay, these are really difficult things that you're going through and, you know, asking them, you know, what can I do? How can I help? Um, what are you feeling like you need right now? And then really I would at that point um, 
really advise seeking some additional support and help because these conversations are really hard, especially, you know, you're in it, this is your baby, right? So it's really hard for you to be able to like, hear your baby, your child talk about themselves in such a negative way. And you're going to get oftentimes emotionally charged there. And therefore, again, we we go into, uh, well, now we're not thinking as clearly and, and we don't really know what to say. And that's okay. We're not taught this. So um, really seeking some additional support from a therapist, a school counselor, uh, the a pediatrician, you know, somebody that can really help have these conversations with your child and figure out what's going on um, and, and how to really address it. So one of my questions would be, if if a parent or a family does not choose to seek additional support, do you have some ideas for them where they can either say things or show up differently for themselves, maybe like that leading by example or changing the environment in such a way? Are, are there any other tips, tricks, tools that you would recommend, you know, if if they don't seek other guidance or if they they just don't have the opportune time to to get into somebody right away. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a couple of big ones. One, take a look at yourself. How yep. are you modeling self-love, self-care? And and so many times parents do not recognize they're doing this. You're talking negatively about yourself right in front of your kid. Mm, happens so often. Yeah. And when that's happening, right, you're not saying negative things about your child, but your child's able to kind of connect the thoughts. Well, if mom mm-hmm. thinks this way about herself, you know, what is what does she maybe think about me? Or maybe I also need to be more worried about these things. Um, and, and then being really careful about how you are talking about your kids. Um, that's that's a huge one. It, it both directly to them and around them because they are hearing it and they are internalizing it all the time, right? So any kind of judgment statement about your child, you really, really need to be careful about saying it. You know, um, they're spoiled, they're a brat, they're out of control, any of these kinds of things. Again, I know it's coming from this, like you're struggling, you're frustrated, you just want the house to be more peaceful. And I, I get that, but you gotta watch what you're saying around your kids. Um, and then the final piece is, you know, kind of what I mentioned before, just really trying to listen and validate and and let them feel what they're feeling. You know, maybe try to tap into a time in your life because most of us have been there at some point where where you struggled with uh, your own self esteem or where you struggled with. Sure. Yeah. And being yeah. able to say like, yeah, it, that, that is hard. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking about these things, it brought to mind too, if I could add to Dr. Kayla, not only the way that you, you talk about yourself and your kids, but also the way that you talk about others and maybe your profession and your peers and 
you know, the, the guy who cut you off in the supermarket or what have you. I, I think all of those really are a reflection and, and kids do internalize that. You know, when you consider a divorce, for instance, when you're talking negative about your, your ex and um, it's your children's father, they relate to that. Even if you think they're awful, they're relating to them and that's a piece of them. And so when you talk negatively about that, they, they take it personally. And it's just this natural thing that we do as human beings, we take it personally. And like you said, when you're talking bad about yourself, your kids are like, well, if they're talking bad about themselves or anybody else, what do they really think about me? And so you're right that that really just spreads all of that and all of those internal thoughts. And it, there's there's nothing wrong with thinking that way. Again, that's just a normal thing. Uh, but that's, again, one of those big lessons to not take things personally, right? The Four Agreements, incredible book. Uh, my mom <laughs> gave me that book when I was quite young. So yeah. she was like, read this book. So I'm like, okay, I read it all the time. And yeah. it's a big lesson to learn. I'm still learning it. And mm-hmm. I think that's also that's something that's very, very important is this isn't stuff that just there's no end cap like self-development and self-growth and emotional intelligence is something that we always have to remind ourselves of. And, and I think, Dr. Kayla, if you agree or not, but it's because, like you said, when we we think we tend to think more negatively based on just how we're built that's the safety zone you know how we're how we're built to keep ourselves safe and because of that it's this constant direction and tuning that we yep. have to do yep and everybody right i mean i'm constantly reading i go to therapy we we always need to be working on yeah um, that, that self-development and just, and being empathetic towards ourselves too. I mean, that's the other big piece that I just want parents and, and everybody to really hear is that we're not perfect and, and it's okay. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to recognize, oh, okay. I didn't handle that situation the best and that's okay. I'm, I'm just doing the best I know how to do today and I'm going to try to do better tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's a key thing. Always yeah. do your best. And I think that when we do that, it's 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 not striving for protect for perfection, excuse me, but just to to do your best and show up your best in everything that we do is is really it, it just feels so good because you're not falling short and you're not trying to go above and beyond consistently, but it's this this nice even ground of I'm gonna give you my best. And yeah. I think I told you that on the show right before the show because I my my voice isn't exactly what I'd love it to be, but yeah. I'm going to give you my best, and that's what I'm agreeing to. So, yeah. and um, you're doing it. It's all we I can do. It. <laughs> it's all we can do. And Dr. Kayla, now I want to jump into the fun part because you have this incredible nonprofit that yeah. you've begun. Tell us about it. Yeah. So this has been um, a dream I've had for. A while now, uh, my brothers and I are starting it up, and it really was just born out of my my work when I was at the residential facility, and I worked a lot with foster youth as well. And it was just so apparent that teens and children are really struggling, and we're not giving them the tools and the resources and education that they need 
And so many of them, they have no access to therapy. They have no, even in schools, we, there's so many schools that don't even have counselors. And if they do, they're overworked um, yeah. in, in many schools, right? So there's just a huge need for more professionals able to work with our youth and then just more resources and education for our youth. So that's really the mission. We kind of have different tiered goals, um, but those are the first two. Get the staffing into mm -hmm. the schools, the school psychologists, the counselors, and then get the curriculum and the resources into the schools. Um, and, and we're starting in New York State. That's where we uh, started the nonprofit. And we've been through a long process of being able to get approval to work with schools. It's, it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. We got that. And so now we're, we're really just trying to actually, we're going to do a kickstarting launch in January. Um, so we're super excited about that. And then just start bringing the money in and we're funneling it right back into the school system. Mm, that's beautiful. So that's awesome. Kickstarting in January. That's coming up right around the corner. Yes. And, you know, what a what a beautiful time to really even have the show, you know, as we're going into this time of year where, you know, oftentimes people go into this depressed state and it, and it's i think it's just natural it's a seasonal thing that we all kind of go through where we're feeling maybe a little lower and statistically january is is higher numbers of of people arguing divorce rate all of the things and so a lot of these tools and things that we've talked about are really pertinent and vital for this time period that we're in and as we are in the holiday season we're around more family there's more energy there's more engagement and so knowing how to really respond and react and taking the space and time that we need to, to calm ourselves down a little bit in order to come back in and show up to do our best is really good to know right now. And so I love that you're kickstarting this in January. Tell us, how, how do people support you? What's the best way to support you in this journey? Yeah, so we are, we're going to be launching our Kickstarter and the, the nonprofit is Decide Mental Health. And so we're really asking people to make an active decision, right, to invest in the mental health of our youth. That's, that's our message. And so we're doing it in a really fun way uh, where we're actually going to be tracking sports teams. Um, me and my brothers, we're all really big sports advocates and, and sports and um, movement and athletics has always kind of been a cornerstone of our family and, and our health and well-being. So we are asking everybody to make a profile. You pick your different sports teams and it's, it's almost kind of like betting actually. Um, but you don't get money back. Instead, you're investing your money into mental health and then you earn points and those points will be able to be turned in for, um, different merchandise or going to sporting activities or having um, people come to wow. your school and put on events at the school. So it's it's a little bit of a fun, active way to, to get involved and to, again, really be deciding to be a part of our mission. 
I love that. And being active is has so much to do with the way that we show up mentally, right? And so I love that you bring that up, that that or bring it into it, that that it's a part of it because it really is giving you this well-rounded aspect to uh, wellness, well-being, mental health, all of that. So I think that's incredible. I put decide mental health up here on the screen. And can awesome. they can can the audience access this information through your website at Glacier Psychology? Right now, no. That's that's just really going to be more of my my practice and what I do clinically. Uh, again, in January and early in these early months, February, March, we're really going to get Decide Mental Health. It'll have this whole all separate website where you can get on and make a profile and donate. Um, I will, I, I am on LinkedIn. So there will be a lot of like information there about how to get more involved with Decide. Okay, great. I'm going to make sure the audience knows how to find you. Awesome. For those of you listening in, the website is www.glacierpsychology.com. Again, that's www.glacierpsychology.com. Also, it's always in the description below. All of the show notes give access to all of the guests we have here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. So please, if you're interested, check her out. Check out everything that she's got going on, Dr. Kayla Nelson. Now, Dr. Kayla Nelson, you talked about LinkedIn and people being able to find you there. Is your handle Dr. Kayla Nelson? Yes. Wonderful. So yeah. you can find her, ask her questions, engage in the comments here. We'll get back to you if you have any questions or you're interested in all of the things that she's doing. I think it's incredible. I think it's very much needed. Thank you so much, Dr. Kayla. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience today? Uh, in January, go out and get involved and decide mental health. Um, and, you know, I think, again, the, the biggest pieces that I really just want everybody to take away, and this is my driving message, is that people are good. We're, we're all really just doing the best we can. Your kids, you as parents, and sometimes, you know, you just need to find ways to pour back into yourself so that you can show up in the best way for you and your family and your community. So find those ways, especially during the holiday season. That's such a good message. Thank you yeah. so much, Dr. Kayla. It has been a pleasure having you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much. Truly uh, honored to have you here to share your expertise with the audience during this time. And I want to thank the audience very much for tuning in. The show wouldn't be possible without you. So we appreciate you more than you could possibly know. Thank you so much for tuning in. Goodbye for now. And we will see you next time. Thank you.